Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. say right away that I I know last Wednesday night I preached about Abraham and tonight I'm going to preach about Abraham and I just want to run a disclaimer I know he's not the only Bible character I, I do get it but I just felt drawn back there again today and um, and so in the book of Romans the book of Romans chapter 4 and verses number 1 through 3 the scripture says what shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham believed God. Amen. If we could just somehow grab those few words, Abraham believed God. Amen. And so it wasn't this random, willy-nilly, veiled belief, but he believed in God to the point that the scripture said it was counted unto him. He got credit. It was counted unto him for righteousness. And so I want to just speak tonight a little bit about Abraham's faith. Abraham's faith. And may God bless you in Jesus' name. You can be seated and I certainly think that we would agree we stand at a unique time in our nation's history. And I just want to say this evening that while we may find ourselves in uncharted waters, it is not uncharted waters for God. Amen. Amen. I, I'm not trying to soft soap anything or uh, undermine or downplay, but I remain and always... And as always, I remain committed to pray for the leaders of our nation. That is a biblical um, command of the church, and we're going to continue to do so. As a matter of fact, if you haven't been praying for our nation, I don't know where you are. Amen. We need to pray for our nation. Amen. But I just want you to understand something, that when Abraham traveled in uncertain areas, when Abraham's life by the will of God forced him in paths of uncertainty, the Bible said that Abraham believed God. So tonight we are here, I believe, because we trust in a power that is above our power, a knowledge that is above our knowledge, and hope that is not founded solely in this world. Amen. I, I believe that we are going to truly and must truly place our confidence in God. I believe that we're being called on to live out some things that we have declared for years. Amen. I'm going to trust him no matter what. Well, we may be facing no matter what. 
And so we're gonna have to trust him and put our confidence in God. God is not confused. God is not lost. He's not confounded. And God knows the way that we take. Therefore, I'm gonna just cast my lot with him. As a matter of fact, let me just rephrase that. I'm gonna keep my lot with him because I cast my lot with him a long time ago. I'm gonna keep my lot with him and I'm gonna exercise my faith in his word and in his leading. God has the church in his hands. It has always been there. Let me just say it more personal. God has you and I in his hands and that's where we have been and that's where we choose to remain. Amen. Faith is one of the greatest qualities of a Christian life. Without it, we can't even make forward progress. We must have faith. That is the beginning of all things. It is fundamental in our relationship with God. Now, of Abram, it is said that he is the father of the faithful. And in his life, we see several attributes. I just want to kind of dip in tonight and, and, uh, and mine out just a few of those Amen. I believe that when we look at Abraham's life, this father of the faithful, we find that what Abraham encountered in his life produced faith and faithfulness in his life. It, his faith in God caused God to change his name from Abram to Abraham, and it caused him to be forever known as the father of the faithful. His faith impacted not only the world, but it impacted God. Consequently, it impacted the world. Abraham was a man truly called, yet no matter how called he was, and when you read somewhat the pedigree of Abraham, we can be, uh, we can be very impressed by that, and I don't want to take away from that because he certainly had a very rich heritage and bloodline, but no matter, even though he had all of these pedigrees and he had a rich bloodline, Abraham even was a man truly called of God personally. Yet despite all of those things, he, like you and I, had to develop his own relationship with God by exercising his faith. Now, I'm thankful for heritage. I really am thankful for heritage in many respects, certainly spiritually, but I also appreciate heritage naturally. But when we think about spiritual heritage, um, I'm thankful for uh, I'm thankful for the well-worn path that that uh, people, family, and friends had provided for me. I'm not alone. There are many here that that have the same testimony. I'm thankful for that. But nevertheless, no no matter how well-worn the path, and no matter how well-blazed the trail, we all understand that each and every one of us had to come to the saving knowledge of the Lord for ourselves. I'm, I'm thankful for my parents and I'm thankful for uh, Sunday school teachers and I'm thankful for people that impacted my life through the years. But I, 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 I somewhere along the line have to say that I'm not here solely because of them because I had to exercise my own faith and God had to become God to me. And the word of God had to become the word to me not just someone else's promise. Now, uh, it just like it took years for Abraham to mature in the Lord, so it takes years for you and I to mature in the Lord. I'm thankful for the call of God and I'm thankful that there has, I'm thankful for the beginning because there has to be a beginning somewhere, but we have to grow into that. The call of God to Abraham, I believe was a call uh, which placed him into the unfamiliar. And we talked a little bit about that this past Wednesday night. 
but it was a call that did many things in his life. It was a call, number one, that separated him from his home country and it separated him from his family. It, it's clear that the call of Abraham, uh, from the call of Abraham, that God knew exactly what he wanted him to do. God had a plan for his life just like he has a plan for our lives. Abraham, I believe, exhibited courage, real courage, to answer the call because he obeyed the voice and the word of God. And so it's one thing to know what God wants us to do or surmise what it may be that God wants us to do, but it is quite another thing to step into that and say, I'm going to exercise this by exercising my faith. Faith without works is dead, and so I've got to, I've got to obey. And so it was important I believe it's important to separate faith and obedience because through his obedience, Abraham revealed his faith in God. He wasn't just talking about it, but he was doing something about it. The principal call, I believe, for all people everywhere today is the call to salvation. That is where we must begin. In 2 Peter 3 and 9, the scripture says, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so he came seeking and saving those which were lost. He came reconciling the world unto himself. And so everywhere you see uh, the Lord, we see this common denominator of pulling man back into the purpose and the will of God. After a person repents, there are many things that we have to do beyond that. There's some things that we've got to obey, we've got to put into action. Many people uh, wrestle sometimes with the uncertainty of the will of God for their lives. And it's not good for a person to move ahead presumptuously. I don't want to imply that at all. If you don't know what the will of God is, I don't think we should be presumptuous about anything and just start trying to do something dangerous. On the other hand, there are those that, that know what God wants them to do, but they lack the courage to undertake the task. And, and so they remain on pause, on hold in this, in this realm of being uncommitted and they're leaving God's call unanswered and they're leaving their lives unfulfilled. Hallelujah. Somewhere in all of that, there is a balance that we've got to seek and find the will of God and the timing of God in our lives. Your situation is not unique to the rest of the universe, no matter how often we may feel that. Anybody ever felt like you were the only one that's ever been down this path, the only one? I'm not talking about a pity party, but where you really felt like this is such a unique set of circumstances. But I want to tell you tonight that there is a balance to be found in the, in the Spirit of God. When we think about Abraham's walk, Abraham was about 70 years old uh, when he and his family departed from Mesopotamia and started traveling and making their way to Haran. And we find that uh, in the 11th chapter of the book of Genesis toward the end. And th this was just the beginning of the walk for Abraham, the beginning of a move that would encompass many moves. <clears throat> now, every move is not... Um, longitude and latitude, every move is not a literal move, but there are dimensions of moving in the spirit. And so we're never going to get to a place in God where we just level off and say, well, this is it. And we just kind of sail on from here until, uh, until the Lord calls us home. Living in Haran was sufficient. That was working fine, even though that wasn't where God called them. 
But when when Abraham's or Abram's father died in Haran, it was then that God required more of Abraham. I need you to go further. Now he was a long way from where he had been, but he was still a long way from where God wanted him to go. And so it was the death of his father. I've often said that the death of his father I think is significant because the death of his father typifies the death of his flesh. And so in, in there are moments that we get to certain places in our walk with God. We're not where we've been, but we're not exactly where God has taken us. And there's gonna be some harans where we've gotta crucify the flesh. And we've got to bury some of our past. We've got to bury some of our yesterdays so that God can move us into our tomorrows. And so God is now requiring more from Abram or Abraham. And so it is as well with us that we have to move from one place to another and to another to another. And so it should be that we are changing and letting God allow the foundation beneath us to grow broader and broader. And so as we follow the leading of the Spirit, as we follow His will, we progress spiritually and we grow in the will of God. Our walk by faith has absolutely nothing to do with visible goals, nor does it have to do with our emotions. Sometimes we don't understand exactly what it is that God is doing in our life. Can I get a witness? We know that God is moving. We sense the water troubled, but we don't really have an exact pinpoint of where it is or what it is that God is doing. But the longest journey in the world starts with the first step. And so I want to move. I want to be active. I want to at least be in a place of fluid, uh, in a flux where the Spirit of God can take me, a willingness to go, a willingness to move. Amen. Throughout Abraham's walk with God, there were at least four decisive moves in his life. At least four decisive moves. He moved from where he was as a child to Haran. He moved from there to Canaan. He moved from Canaan to Egypt. And then he moved from Egypt back to Canaan. So there were four, at least four decisive, distinct moves in the life and the journey of Abraham. And so the first move is when the Lord called him and his family from Ur of Chaldees, a land of idolatry, Uh, His father was not only an idol worshiper, but his father was an idol maker. And so the Lord was trying to get him from that place. Now, the sad thing is that he took all of that with him when he left. Amen. So the Lord moved him from Haran to the Ur of of Chaldees, to Haran from Ur of Chaldees. The second move, as I mentioned a moment ago, came after the death of his father. And Abraham left Haran, and at that time, He complied with God's will for him to separate from his house, his father's house at least, and God led him to the land of Canaan. And God rewarded him for his faith and said, I'm going to bless you and I will bless your descendants. Abraham built an altar to the Lord and he began to worship him there. But then the third move came when a famine struck in Canaan. And when that famine struck, Abraham thought it would be best for he and his family to move to Egypt, but it wasn't the best in his best interest to do that. He moved to Egypt, and when he got to Egypt, he got to thinking about how beautiful his wife was. And somebody's gonna snuff me out in order to get his wife. I know the feeling. <laughs> Amen, I know the feeling. 
And so Abraham said that ought to be worth several points. I'm just going to tell you, you guys, I need, a, I need you men to, to give me an amen on that one. <laughs> and so Abraham said to the Pharaoh there that Sarah was his sister. And that was a half-truth because she was his half-sister, but a half-truth as Brother Johnny James a half, says, a half-truth is a whole lie. And so he, it was a half-truth. And so even though it was his, whole, his half-sister, it was fear. It was fear in the heart of Abraham that called him to misrepresent this situation about his, about his companion. And it's here that we see Abraham in his flesh and that he was not a perfect man. He was still in the incubator. God was still working on him and Abraham was still giving himself and yielding himself to the hand of God. I will tell you that human weakness does often try to undermine our faith at various times. We have all had to press our way through moments and even seasons of human weakness whenever we could think, I can figure this out. I can do this. This is a solution. This is a viable option. But I'm gonna tell you that human weakness, our, our human power, our human strength will never take the place of God's faith. Amen, our faith in God and our trust in his plan for our lives. After this, Abraham left Egypt. He left with Sarah and he left with Lot. But he also left Egypt tremendously wealthy. In, in the flesh, in the natural, it had been a positive move. The fourth move here is when he left Egypt and went back to Canaan. And when Abraham returned back to Canaan in Genesis 13, he began to build another altar and reestablish the worship to the one true God. And so we see these significant change points in the life of Abraham. The first test, we know that life is full of tests. And Abraham's life was full of tests. And so we see Abraham now standing in line. It is now time to have his faith tested. And it called him, the first test was when God called him to leave his home country and his father's house. I can only imagine how difficult it would be to leave everything that is familiar to go where nothing is familiar. And when I think about often, if I could just insert this here, but often when I think about some of our global missionaries and how God has called them to another part of the globe, not across the state, not coast to coast, not from one end of a state to the north end of a state, uh, the south end of a state to the north end of a state, but how God has moved in the hearts of men and women and led them around the globe to a culture they did not understand, to a language they did not understand. I, I'm gonna tell you, I, they're heroes. They are true, living, walking, breathing heroes of the faith. You can only imagine how, it, how reluctant you could be in your you flesh to say, I'm gonna trade all of the known for the unknown. Amen. You just think about that. No, you, you don't understand anything about the inner workings of that. And yet Abraham lifted his hand and said, where you lead me, I will follow. To leave home and to not know where he was going, I believe required faith, 
like we can't even measure on Abraham's part. But the reward of Abraham's faith was this. God said that your lineage is gonna possess the land of Canaan and I'm gonna bless your seed. God promised that your seed, Abraham, is gonna be like the stars in heaven in number. And God believed him, and Abraham rather, believed him. And that was our text tonight. Amen, he believed in the Lord and God counted unto him as righteousness. I'm gonna tell you this evening, I appreciate Abraham's faith. He was walking in uncharted waters. He was walking into a world that he did not know. And I just come to this pulpit tonight not to stir fear. Amen, I didn't come to this pulpit to shake us. Amen, I come to this pulpit to establish us and tell us, amen, that tonight, no matter where you may be as a family or where we may be as a nation, amen, I'm gonna tell you that if Abraham could rise and say, Lord, where you lead me, I will follow, <clears throat> then it is our it is our position tonight that we're gonna stand on the holy promises of the Lord and say, God, you've had your hand on the church from its very inception. You had your hand on the church when it was just an embryo. You had your hand on the church when it was just a glitter in a mother's eye. Hallelujah. You're not, you're not lost tonight and we're not lost tonight. And if Abraham could step out of the familiar and walk into the unfamiliar, can I tell you tonight, amen, don't let the devil in your home, don't let fear in your mind and in your heart because God has us in the center of his perfect will. We are where God placed us. Amen. Can I tell you this? God trusted us to be alive in this hour. Amen. God trusted you to be alive in this hour. He trusted you to be living and breathing and filled with his spirit in this hour. He trusted you with his spirit. He trusted you with this truth. He trusted you with his word. He trusted you and I. I don't wanna let fear, I don't wanna let all the things that we're hearing, I don't wanna let all of the suspicions run wild, but I'm gonna say, God, if Abraham and others, there are many others we could talk about tonight, Hebrews 11 is filled with names that we could insert here tonight. But if they could walk into nothing, if they could walk into uncertainty with great faith, then you and I can do that tonight. But we gotta be careful because human reasoning, when it doesn't make sense, we can start trying to figure it out on our own and it happens to the best. 10 years later, Abraham was still childless living in Canaan one decade of an unfulfilled promise. I'm not trying to minimize that, but 10 years still childless, living in Canaan. And after a while, and this is not to, uh, this is not to at all to chip away at his wife, Sarah, but Sarah play it, begin to plead for Abraham. Let's just work out another plan. Let's take some alternative actions. Here is Hagar, and certainly, uh, we can we can fix this out. We can help God. Let me tell you, we always get in trouble when we try to help God. Sarah convinced Abraham that Hagar 
was the medium. This is how God was going to work it out. Here, the answer's been right here in our house all along. And all we had to do was just do this. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, we can't look around us and get convinced that the answer is in our hand or that the answer is within our reach or the answer is in our mind or the answer is in our intellect. Amen. The answer is the promise of God. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And that's where our answer is going to be. Through time, through the process of time, Abraham believed her. And this is proof that human reasoning can muddle a clear-cut plan of God for our lives. And there are people who influence our lives, and rightly so, because no one needs to be an island. And we need voices in our lives. We need sounding boards in our lives. But we need to be very, very careful whose voice we listen to. I was sharing this with someone not long ago, but in early, early years of ministry, in our local church, there was a minister and his family that started attending our church. And they were just a man in the church, a man and his family rather that started attending our church and they were up to no good. And so one night after church on a Sunday night, and here's just how slick and sly the enemy can work. I felt like the Lord had given me a message. Now, I was just young and green and soaking wet behind the ears. And I felt like the Lord had given me a message. And I thought just as sure as I get to church, the pastor's going to say, the Lord's given you the message for tonight and you're going to preach and everything's going to be all right and mannequins are going to get the Holy Ghost. And that didn't happen. Now, I wasn't troubled by that, but I did feel that God had laid that on my heart. And at the end of the service, this man came up to me after church, and I believe he was just in the total will of the devil. Amen. And he said, you know, I believe that God had given you the message for tonight. I was somewhat taken by that. I didn't say anything, thank the Lord. I didn't say anything about that. I just kept listening. And then he kept talking. And the minute he said, you know, I think the problem is is that the pastor here is jealous of your ministry. It was right there. It was right there that I knew the devil's standing here talking. For one thing, I couldn't have preached my way out of a wet paper sack. And at least I had enough sense to know that. And so when he said, I think the pastor is jealous of your ministry, he had nothing to be jealous of. Nothing to be jealous of. Amen, and so I realized in a moment, and what I'm trying to say is in that moment of human reasoning, I believe the enemy was at work. He was at work in my mind, and he was at work through the life of this other man. Amen, and this man's not even in church today, hasn't been in decades, because he was up to no good. I don't think he's not in church because of that, but obviously he had some issues that needed to be dealt with. But I'm gonna tell you that we should never allow the, the, the murmurings of other people to get us away from the will of God. Amen, we can allow human reasoning to get us Oh, and circumvent the plan of God. I have I shudder to think what may have happened if that seed had gotten in my heart. I shudder to think what would have happened if that wedge had been driven in my heart against the shepherd of my life and that man right there. Amen, I say, Lord, help me today to always be mindful of your spirit and your will. We need the influence of other people, but you need to be careful about where that influence is coming from. 
Amen. 25 years after God promised Abraham a son, Isaac was born. Now, I don't have any doubt that Abraham didn't fight some mental battles from time to time during that period of time. I think that we can all fairly say with fairness that we would have fought the same thing. However, his greatest trial was not waiting 25 years. His greatest trial would come years later when God said, I want you to take him to a mountain and offer him for a sacrifice. Three days journey, Abraham had many opportunities to question the purpose of God. Why, after waiting so long for the promised seed, wouldn't you now ask for that? But somehow his faith stabilized him through all of that. As a matter of fact, his faith was so stable. In Hebrews 11, Abraham said that even if he, his faith was such that if he had sacrificed Isaac, that the Lord would have raised him from the dead. And because he said to the men, remember, we're gonna go yonder worship and we shall return. And so God had that kind of faith Rather, Abraham had that kind of faith in God. To be sure, I believe God will provide when we put our faith in him. Every person's faith will be tested. Every person's faith will be tested. There will be that point in all of our lives, and it must be, it has to be, because you don't know if it's going to hold until it is tested. I know... This is somewhat hypothetical, but when a bridge is built, somebody has to be the first one to cross it. You know, I realize in the construction of the bridge, there's already been vehicles and things of that nature on it, but still yet, somebody has to be the first to cross it. Somebody has to test, somebody has to test the limits. And so every, person, every person's faith is gonna be tested. And I believe there's some requirements that's be, that has to be met in order for our faith, to, our faith to be sound and our faith to be biblical. Because faith is only valuable to us when we use it. You must use your faith. Other than that, it's just a tool in the drawer. Other than that, it's just a tool hanging on the wall. We must believe that God is. We must believe that God is. Amen. It's incredible that a person can can behold the, the wonder, the beauty, the majesty, the complexity of our universe and still not believe there is a God. I heard a man just this week, I was listening to a message just this week and I heard a man saying that no one has greater faith, no one has greater faith than an agnostic. No one has greater faith than someone that doubts or even disbelieves the power of God. How could you believe the God of chance that all of this happened, the God of happenstance, all of this happened? Amen, nonetheless, atheists and skeptics are, are combined, can't prevent the progress of a determined soul that's reaching for the promises of God because the scripture says that he rewards them that diligently seek him truth I believe is a priceless treasure and truth sets us free oh the power of truth we beg for truth we ask for truth not just truth in his word certainly truth in his word in the context of church but how much how powerful truth can be just in life we just need the truth faith enables I believe a person to locate the truth and then to develop a love for truth and then the strength to obey that truth I'm thankful for the preaching of the word of God amen not because I'm a preacher I'm a preacher but I listen to preaching. I, I'm not just listening to myself. I want something pouring into me because it, it's the word of God that establishes my faith. It's the word of God that, that puts something of substance in my heart. 
Amen. We've got to have the proper mixture of the preached word and the faith in that word. And when we join that with love, when we join that with the power of God's hand in our lives, amen, it produces a profitable Christian life. Amen. We must live holy. In this hour in which we live, holiness is not a byword. Holiness is not a bad word. Amen. We must live holy. The byproduct of a life of obedience and the byproduct of the love of truth is that the Spirit is going to produce goodness. The Spirit is going to produce righteousness in our lives. And that will allow us to renounce our own will and follow the will of God. And the end result of that is going to be holiness within and holiness without because what's born on the inside is going to reveal itself on the outside and the more separated we are unto God the more the less inclined we're going to be a to be attracted to the things of this world. They hold no charm. They hold no power. They hold, they hold no power over us because our love is attached somewhere else. Because the the closer you get to God the less inclined you are to shop elsewhere. Abraham probably loved God far more after his test of faith on Mount Moriah than before because the more experiences we have with God, the more we love them, the more we love him. Amen. It gets sweeter as the day goes by. Why? Not just because time ticked off or clocked off, but it's because experiences, experiences, experiences. And so separation to God, when we become separated to God, the end result automatically is a separation from the world. Amen. You're gonna, the closer you walk toward the Lord, the further you're gonna walk away from God. But it works the opposite as well. Amen. The closer you get to the world, the, the further you get from God. That's why we can't just empty ourselves and stay empty. Amen. We can't just cleanse ourselves and stay cleansed. I've got to cleanse out all of the flesh I can and replace that with the spirit and the word of God. Hallelujah. James teaches us that in chapter 2 and verse 17 that faith without works is dead. And so when a person's relationship with God becomes stagnant, our faith stands still and starts to die. And there is no place in the kingdom of God that we can just put it in neutral and coast and hope everything is going to work out all right because we are in an upstream battle. And so as we progress from one level of faith to another level of faith, our understanding grows and our understand, as our understanding grows, the more confident we become in him. You know, it's not uncommon for people young or young in the Lord to be easily shaken. And then you see somebody that's got a few years and miles behind them. They're not quite so easily shaken. And the difference is, is because they've had experience. They've had Mount Moriahs in their life. They've walked up the mountain with God and they've watched God be God and come through time and time and time again. I'm going to ask our musicians to come if they will. There are many results of our faith in the Lord. I believe at the onset of our faith in the Lord, we find salvation because salvation is freely offered to all men and faith is that vital link that is lost between humanity and the salvation in the Lord. And so when we, when we exercise our faith in God, we have set ourselves on a trajectory for salvation. 
And so we repent. And repentance empties our vessel of sin, empties our life of unrighteousness. Water baptism in Jesus' name remits those sins, removes those sins from our lives. And being filled with the Holy Ghost receives and places Christ in us, the hope of glory. Salvation is the greatest experience that a person can receive in this world. However, salvation is not the only thing. There's a lot of things that come with our faith in God. I believe I'm speaking to people tonight that some in this house, maybe many in this house, have been healed. Anybody here been healed? Amen. We've been physically healed. We've also been spiritually healed, mentally and emotionally healed because God doesn't just heal our bodies, but God is also a heart mender. And so we've watched the hand of God heal things that we thought there's just no way. There's no hope. I'm not trying to be crass tonight, but the see, but many times we have seen our bodies injured and we think it'll never be the same. This wound could never close. It could never heal. But I myself and many others here have seen people that have been involved in horrendous accidents, maybe automobile accidents. And yet you just put that body in the hand of a knowledgeable physician and let God and time do its thing. It's just amazing how the body can heal. Amen. And so we have been healed and I'm thankful for physical healing, but I'm gonna tell you that no matter how shattered or scarred you may feel emotionally or mentally, or God can heal that. Amen. There may be a reminder. There, there are scars in our body that remind us. Uh, matter of fact, someone wrote a song some years ago and asked the Lord, don't take the scars. Don't remove the scars because they remind me of where I've been. They remind me of experiences. Amen. I'm thankful for healing. I'm thankful for deliverance. Faith brought deliverance to Isaac when he was submitted himself to be sacrificed. And faith calls the parents of Moses to hide him for three months when he was born in spite of a decree for all the males to be killed, in, all the Israelites' male to be killed. Amen, faith kept them. The faith of Moses' parents took care of him. And when he was grown, faith delivered him from a king's palace to his rightful place to be the shepherd of the children of Israel. God kept them. Faith delivered Paul and Silas from the prison in Philippi. And we see faith do a lot of things. Many people, many people have been wondrously, marvelously delivered. Maybe set free from things like drugs or alcohol, tobacco. Maybe others were just bound by bitterness, bound by pains of the past. Maybe greed or envy or, you know, the list could go on and on and on, but... God delivered us. God reached down in our heart and he just pulled that out. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing. Another byproduct, let's stand. As the Lord has touched us, he's healed us, he's delivered us. But I, I watch something commonly 
play out in the lives of people. And that is the spirit of endurance. People that didn't just start, but they kept walking. They just kept going. Abraham just kept going. Dark times, uncertain seasons. He just kept pressing on. You know, we can't explain some things, of course, in Scripture. Can't explain some things in life. We can't explain why some faithful people that followed the Lord didn't receive their miraculous deliverance. Hebrews 11 talks about a lot of people that had a lot of wonderful things happen to them. But then there's a key phrase toward the end of that chapter that says, and there and others, others, there were others, 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 others. But in these instances, the grace of God gave them the strength to stand and the strength to endure. They weren't delivered. They weren't miraculously all taken out of their circumstance. It may seem strange to us that the same God that would deliver Paul and Silas out of a prison would allow Stephen to be stoned. But can I tell you that even when God didn't deliver, as we see that, God did bless him with strength. And so it wasn't a man cowering in fear and trembling when those were standing before him with stones to take his life. But he prayed for them and he looked up and he beheld the power and the majesty of God. You hear me tonight? Sometimes the Lord doesn't just reach down and pull that thorn or take that pain away. Paul said, I've sought you three times, Lord. And the Lord said, but my grace is sufficient. And that ended the conversation of the argument. And I'll just keep on. Amen. Aren't you thankful that the Lord has supplied our needs? <laughs> Amen. He's kept us. He's just brought us where we needed to be and always has given us what we needed to have. Amen. I believe the greatest reward of all is going to be heaven. Revelation 21, John does his best to describe it for us. But the greatest gift of all is going to be heaven. Amen. <laughs> I want to have the endurance I want to have the endurance because I want to see what the Lord's talking about. The very first youth camp that our son ever attended, the first night of camp, the camp evangelist said, now on the last night of camp, I can't even remember what it was now, I'm going to some something special, you know, something special last night of camp. And so we kept asking him, you know, you want to go home? I mean, I mean, we weren't trying to get him to go home, but you want to go home? He said, no, oh, no. <laughs> I'm hanging around to Friday. I thought how slick that was on the part of that evangelist. Monday night, first year campers, they're going to get homesick and, you know, they're going to want their own home, their own bed. But that's, that wise, wise sage man said, you know, you need to be here now Thursday night or Friday night, whatever it was. And that was the hook in the jaw. Somebody said, you want to cash it all in? No, no, no. No, I got to see what John's talking about. I'm going to I'm going to hang in here. I want to walk a few more miles. I I, I just got to see. I can't comprehend it. I don't know all about this gates of pearls, streets of gold. I just can't comprehend it. But I'm going to tell you. I'm going to hang in here. Amen. I'm going to tell you tonight, church, one more time. Can I tell you? God's got His hand on us, and He'll carry us through, or He'll take us out. Hallelujah. Either way, I want to have the faith that Abraham had and I want to walk with him.
Let's magnify the Lord, shall we? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.